Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Listen, Israel. Adonai is God. Adonai is the one and only. You shall love Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your resources. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Welcome to Beth Tikkun in our ongoing study of the Torah. This week we're in portion Ve'etchanan, which means I pleaded. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23, through chapter 7, verse 11. I'm Tim Pell, and I'm glad you're here. Let's dive in. Now, Ve'etchanan is an exceptionally rich portion. Not only does it contain the words of the Shema in chapter 6, verse 4, but the reprise of the Ten Commandments in chapter 5, verses 6 through 18. It also includes the continuance of Moses' exhortation to Israel with special emphasis on God's goodness and on Israel's uniquely intimate relationship with this good God. Topping it off, we find three distinct sets of bookends around three distinct speeches that tell us to listen, observe, keep, and follow the decrees, ordinances, and commandments, the chukim, mishpatim, and mitzvot. A lot to chew on. So because there's so much to chew on, I'm not going to review much of what we've previously learned in years past when we've come to Vedkhanan. Instead, I want to focus on one aspect in particular. But I do encourage you to go back to previous teachings and get your fill of all that we at Beth Tikkun have been learning together. What I want to focus on this week is the Shema. Uh, as many of you may know, those of you who uh, especially attend Beth Tikkun, I have been the cantor, uh, one of the cantors rather, who has led our congregation in a liturgical prayer service for many years. Back in 2019, I taught the first of two lessons about the liturgy. Over the years, my exposure to and uh, relationship and familiarity with the prayers has allowed me to see how they work in my life and in the spiritual life of the congregation. So I thought I'd share what I had learned. And so to give you a basic overview of what it is I taught, uh, it is basically this. Right words lead to right thinking, the transforming of our minds. Right thinking leads to right doing, the changing of our behavior. And right doing leads to creation healing, which is to engage in tikkun olam. And creation healing increases our awareness of God's echad, his oneness. All of which comes about, of course, not just through our work, but through our working with God in the work of creation, right? So words matter and we believe we have in the, uh, in, in the container of God's holy word, the best words, especially the best words to start this journey on. If we're, if we're pointing toward God's oneness uh, brought about by tikkun olam, our changed behavior and better thinking, it starts with the right words. So why do we pray the prayers? Um, in Acts 2.42, we see the four essential uh, aspects of, of community life in the, the uh, disciples of the first century. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. 
And we, we know now, because of better scholarship, that it is plural, the prayers, and that that is something specific. It isn't just prayer in general. Though all prayer is good, this passage is speaking specifically to a certain set of prayers. So why do we pray the prayers? We pray the, the prayers because it is the model that we find in the book of Acts. Also, we, we find that it is a useful tool for transformation. We are broken people, and we need all the help we can get in becoming the people God wants us to be. He's rooting for us. He gives us our instruction manual in the form of Scripture, and we have to do the hard work of becoming the people he wants us to be. So we find this tool for transformation in the liturgical prayers. Um, and to quote uh, from a book that I uh, recommend called Jewish Liturgy as a Spiritual System by Aaron or Arnold Rosenberg, this is how he basically uh, uh, summarizes the effect of liturgy. Quote, in their origin and structure, the words and rituals of the liturgical service are merely prods to move the worshiper through an odyssey of the mind, a sequence of visualizations and mental transformations that, in the end, leave the, virtu- the worshiper mentally fortified to do good deeds and resist the temptation toward evil until he or she prays again and is fortified again. Prayers are signposts on a mental journey that leads to devakut, a state of mind in which we find it easier to perform God's commandments and to resist the daily temptation to break them. So why do we pray the prayers? So that we're better equipped to do good deeds, to to behave and speak uh, as a holy people, and to resist evil. It's a fortification. It is a tool for transformation. So that's one of the other reasons why we pray the prayers. But what are the prayers? Um, we know from, from scholarship and from history that, there, that at least two of the prayers in our modern liturgy were around long before Yeshua and his disciples. And those two are the Shema and the Amida, or Amidah, um, which is also known as the Shemoni Esrei, which means 18. These are 18 prayers. There's actually 19 of them, but there are 18 prayers um, that, that predate Yeshua by at least... 400 years. Um, so these are roughly about the 5th century BC where these come, come about and are established traditions among the Jewish people at the time of uh, Yeshua. So the Shema and the Amidah. The Amidah, um, known as the standing prayers, um, which they're called standing prayers, you could say, for one of two reasons. One is that we stand when we say them. Uh, the other is, is that they are standing as in uh, we have a standing engagement. There's a standing appointment that I just keep coming back to and coming back to. So in that sense, it's standing as well. And the Shema is, of course, the central expression of the faith of God's chosen people rooted in the revelation of God's ultimate oneness. It is the, probably the most important, most well-known prayer among the Jewish people. But the Shema is not really a prayer. It's a declaration, a command, uh, a reminder that before we can ask God to listen to us, we must submit and show that we can listen to him. And speaking of commands, the Shema is also the greatest command. 
in three of the Gospels, in the uh, Synoptic Gospels, there is the, the account of Yeshua being asked, what is the greatest command? In one of those three, the Shema is included in Mark, chapter 12, verse 29 to 30. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And, you sh- and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He includes that part of the Shema or of that passage that he's quoting anyway with you shall love the Lord your God. So he's already in Deuteronomy. Mark records that he includes the Shema as well. I think it's, it is uh, fair to, to presume that he included that, that he did include that when he said it. Um, so that's what the prayers are. Going back to Acts 2.42, we have four aspects of, of community life in the, in the faith community. Study, fellowship, uh, uh, feasting, and, um, and prayer, the prayers. So we've, just, we've talked about what the prayers are, but study is another important part of this. If prayer is an act of speaking to God, study is an act of listening to God because that is the primary way in which he reveals himself, reveals his will for us and for all of creation. So we have to hold these in balance, prayer and study. So prayer as in listening to him, or prayer as in speaking to him, asking him to listen to us, but study uh, in, in our ability to listen to him. But which comes first, right? Prayer or study, study or prayer. I think the answer is already found in the Siddur itself, in the traditional Siddurs, in, in our Siddur, our little weekday Siddur, let us pray. The answer is there because there is also, uh, in addition to the Shema Yisrael, it's in all Siddurim, there is another Shema. This is the Shema. Uh, it's called Shema Kolenu, and it's found in the Amida. It is the 16th paragraph in the traditional Siddurim. Uh, in our Siddur, I think we break them up into, into many more paragraphs. I'm not sure which paragraph it is, but it's near the end. Um, so if the Shema Yisrael is the pinnacle prayer of us uh, uh, speaking to God, um, the Shema Kolenu is, is us asking him to listen to us, Right? And here, let me just read how we have it in our weekday siddur from Beth Kun. Hear our voice, O Lord our God. Spare us and have mercy upon us and accept our prayer in mercy and favor. For you are a God who hears prayers and supplications. From your presence, our King, turn us not away empty. For you listen in mercy to the prayer of your people Israel. Blessed are you, O Lord, who hears prayers. So the Shema is the pinnacle of the daily and weekly prayers on which we stand to receive from God. But this prayer, the Shema Kolenu, is, is, is the other end, the other bookend to that, to that in, uh, uh, engagement with him. And there's a beautiful tension here, right? The Shema Yisrael is saying, listen, Israel. You, me, we listen. Let's listen to God to know his heart. 
the Shema Yisrael comes first of the two Shemas in the Siddur. The second is the Shema Kolenu. It's basically saying, listen to our voice, Lord our God. God, we have listened to you. Please listen to us and know our hearts. I think this is important, and I think you see why. If we are to expect anyone to listen to us, we must first show that we are willing to listen to them. This is true of any relationship between us and God, us and our friends, us and our neighbors, us and our spouses, our children. We must model the behavior and show our willingness to submit. And speaking of submission, I'll leave you with this, um, with this thought before I wrap up. In this book here, uh, Shema Yisrael, 200 Meditations on Judaism's Cardinal Statement of Faith by Rabbi Trugman. Uh, I highly recommend this. Grant has also recommended this in the past. Great book. There is uh, a part in here where Rabbi Trugman goes over a, a concept or teaching of the sages that I want to share with you here that's relevant not only to uh, to listening, but to the Shema Yisrael prayer specifically that I think is, uh, is very helpful in our understanding of this on a deeper level. And I'm going to read it to you now. Every process, whether material or spiritual, progresses through three stages. Submission, hakna'a, separation, havdala, and sweetening, hamtaka. The first stage, submission, entails diminishing one's ego in order to obtain a more balanced view of reality. In this initial stage, an individual submits his or her will, energy, and time to achieving a specific goal or purpose. Only by devoting our energies to the task at hand will progress be made. We are often inspired to make a commitment, but lack the ability to submit ourselves to a detailed plan of action, especially when the goal demands a considerable amount of dedication or time. The second stage, separation, involves separating the essential from the extraneous and truth from falsehood. While defining an orderly path towards the fulfillment of our goals, in this stage, the day-to-day -day decisions are made. We must separate or distinguish between those activities, situations, people, and attitudes that will further the attainment of the goal and those that will distract us from achieving it. This second stage of separation entails constant clarification and the steely determination to let nothing separate us from our sought-after goals. The last stage is called sweetening. It is the stage of self-fulfillment and accomplishment wherein unity of purpose is achieved. In this stage, we reach our goals and realize that it was worth the time and effort. So often we dedicate substantial effort to reaching a goal that turns out not to be exactly what we had hoped and longed for. The stage of sweetening offers us the sweet reward for a job well done and enables us to express our feelings of gratitude that our new reality has come about not only through our hard work, but also through God's constant assistance and guiding hand. Now here's where we tie this into the Shema Yisrael. The six words of the Shema can be seen to correspond to these three stages of development. 
The first two words, Shema Yisrael, listen Israel, draws our attention to the task at hand and our need to submit and unify our will within that mission. The second two words, Adonai Elokeinu, uh, Adonai is God, state clearly our relationship with God, our God, at the exclusion of any other source of power, thus separating us from false ideologies and attractions to other gods. The final two words, Adonai Echad, God is one, confirm our belief that one day all mankind will be united in peace and harmony when God will be one and his name one. The combination of this divine revelation and human spiritual evolution is the ultimate state of sweetening. There are times in our life, there are times in our communities where this pattern is more necessary than at other times. Uh, maybe you're going through this yourself where you need to exercise and strengthen your submitting muscle, your listening muscle. And I don't just mean your ears. You must also be able to discern what to separate out uh, and then also ultimately keep your eyes on the prize and look toward the oneness of God uh, that Yeshua was all about when he came and dwelt among us. So in this pattern too, we see, we see you, you, could, you, could, you could extrapolate on this as well, not only in the Shema, but you could say that, that um, Shema Yisrael, here, O Israel, was Yeshua coming and dwelling among us. Adonai is God. Um, Adonai Eloheinu. The separation is where we see Yeshua uh, being separated. Adonai Echad. Adonai is one. You could, we could see this loosely perhaps as Yeshua's rising again. Um, I'm sure you could, you, could, you could discuss this and talk about how this pattern plays out in your life and in, and in other parts of Scripture as well. But I, I believe that it's there. I believe it's there and it's useful for our instruction in righteousness. So, reciting the Shema, the greatest command, twice daily, night and day, sets our trajectory on the path of the way and provides the inertia we need to live boldly in the kingdom life now. The fruit that grows from this will be our witness to the world that we are Yeshua's disciples and we will love one another. So ask yourself, how do I need to diminish my ego to see reality more clearly? How can I better separate truth from falsehood in my life? How often do I expect to be heard by God or others before I myself stop to listen? And finally, how hard would it be to recite the Shema, to recite the greatest command twice a day? Give it a thought. May God bless you, and may he make us all into the people he wants us to be. Shabbat Shalom.